we had to ask ourselves, is that the life we actually want? Is that what we're mm. building? I think that's a really key piece that any family mm. of any income size has to ask themselves, what are we building? Is this what we want? Like when we are on our deathbed and we look back on this time period, is this what we hope that we had built during yeah. our lifetime? Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, Elle Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Paying off debt can be an incredibly rewarding journey for families, and many times there are challenges along the way. I'd love to highlight a variety of stories about how different families face them, both with making the numbers work and with the conversations they have during the process. Last week, Tony Husband shared some of the ups and downs of their debt-free journey to pay off over $100,000. Knocking out that mountain of debt included getting her husband on board and finding a pace that allowed them to pay it off without sacrificing time with their young kids. There are other struggles that can come up when working towards becoming debt-free, including making your dollar go further when your income is closer to the median household income, which is currently around $67,000 which is why I'm thrilled to have Jessie Fearon on today's show. Jessie and her family paid off their debts, including their mortgage, on about $50,000 a year income. In her new book, Getting Good With Money, she talks about some key changes they made, as well as offering some practical tips on how families can get out of debt. In this episode, we get into identifying your money type, your triggers, and key behaviors to adjust, how to have more productive conversations about money as a couple, and how to find and make money so you can hit your financial goals faster. Are you ready? Let's get started. Congratulations on the new book, Getting Good With Money. I can't wait to dive into this with you. I'm so excited to talk to you again, Elle. It's been like forever since we've actually been able to see each other and talk to each other. So I'm super excited. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because um, we've known each other for years. I remember in Charlotte, we had that mastermind and everything. I love following what you're doing online, not just with paying down debt, but the message you're sending with families with hope, especially us parents, where we're juggling so many different things with (laughs) finances. You and I know that this time of year, a lot of people are motivated and on their list of things to improve for the year is getting better with money. They want to either pay down debt, save, invest, but it's hard to stick it out. Something I appreciated in your book, which was before you come up with a plan, kind of assess who you are, what's your money story and how you interact with money. Cause you go into a couple different like personality or mindsets. Could you go over, first of all, the different types and for yourself, what did you uh, have to deal with? Absolutely. The first one is the daredevil. The daredevil doesn't have any savings or little to no savings rather. Yeah. So they're living life on this, you know, tightrope and hoping that no little hiccup, no little bump in the road happens 
it does, they're completely derailed and it's financial catastrophe. I have definitely been all four of these different personalities. So I have definitely been the daredevil before more times than I care to admit to. I've also been the floater. The floater is someone who lives paycheck to paycheck, has no idea where their money is coming. It has no real plan for their money. They keep trying to make progress, but because they haven't gotten really real and honest with themselves and how Mm -hmm. it is that they're using their money, it's all a complete mystery to them. The other one is the spender. Yeah. The spender is, it's not someone who's just necessarily going and blowing all of their money, but it's someone who doesn't actually know what their spending trigger is. And we all have them, including savers. We all have something that whatever it may be, whether it's a good deal or we, you know, or we see something and we think, oh, so-and-so would love that. We pull that trigger and we spend the money. If we don't reconcile that within our budgets mm-hmm. and within our money management, it will completely derail whatever plans that we have. And the last one is the avoider. Mm -hmm. I was an avoider for a really long time. And the avoider is someone who doesn't plan for their future, mainly talking about retirement here, but Mm -hmm. someone who doesn't plan for that 70 year old self, they kind of think, oh, that 70 year old self is way way out there. But you know, it's funny because then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're a lot older than being, you know, 21 and you're like, oh wait, I'm a lot closer to being retirement age than I am to a teenager now. So what am I going to do? As I said, I've been all four of these. And for, for me, discovering that about myself was realizing the way that money made me feel. I'll use me and my husband, um, Pat, for an example. My husband is a spender. I'm a saver. So for me, I like to have a lot of money in the bank account, but I also don't Mm -hmm. ever want to spend any, like I, like regardless if we actually have to spend the money, I don't want to touch that money in the bank account. Like I want it to sit there and be really, really big. You know, I was swimming around in my gold coins. (laughs) I want that. That makes me feel good. It's like a little trophy sitting on the shelf that makes me feel safe and secure. Whereas for my husband, he likes to spend money, but that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that he wants to necessarily spend all of the money and blow all of the money. And just means that he wants to have that ability to spend whenever he needs to or wants to spend. He wants to be able to have that ability to do that because it gives him a sense of accomplishment. And I say that because for us, that's one of the key pieces for us was that we had to kind of come to terms with, okay, how does money make us feel? Mm -hmm. Like, what is it about money that we value? And the reality is that we all have something with money that we attach value to. And for me, it was safety and security. And for my husband, it's a sense of accomplishment and success. Neither one of those answers is right or wrong. I know sometimes Mm -hmm. People want to answer in the way they think they should. Like, well, I should say it's for safety and security or because I want to give a bunch of money to everybody, but it's okay if it's for you, it's accomplishment and success. That's totally fine. Just own up to it because then it helps Mm -hmm. you figure out from there, like, okay, how am I using money? How, how, when Mm -hmm. money comes into my hand, what am I, what is my first thing that I'm doing with it? Am I immediately going out and spending the money? Am I hoping that nothing comes up? So then that way we don't have any hiccups in the road. We don't go broke. The car doesn't break down, whatever. In those cases, you may be a spender, you may be a daredevil, or you may be a floater. If you aren't planning for retirement, then you're an avoider. And you have to ask Mm -hmm. yourself why in all of these situations and getting down to that brass tacks of why will help you reconcile and come to terms with these and then make progress and changes that you need to make. I love that because yes, you and I know about this, especially you've written a book about budget specifically. (laughs) Uh, Yes, you have to have the numbers line up and, and there's a process to that. But at the same time, if you don't address the root of it, which is why do I view money this way? And why do I act when I'm stressed or I'm coming up with a specific situation? If you can't answer that or you can't work through that, both yourself and if you're married, you know, with your spouse, it's not impossible, but it's really hard and it's really slow to get through and make real progress on whatever your financial goals are. I love that you opened up with that. 
with those conversations because that's something you can't avoid. We were kind of the opposite. So I wouldn't say I'm like a spender. I'm, I guess, like you mentioned with Pat, I don't want to spend everything, but I was comfortable with spending. I would do too much. I was paying down debt, but I was also saving a little bit of saving, a little bit of investing. So it was like going everywhere, but not really making any progress. My husband, Rob, was just like you, which is like, Money for him was security. I think for me, it was like freedom and options. Until we had that conversation, it was like, we were just doing the same script over and over again and not really making that progress. I'm glad you've included in the book because I think that is going to be a big breakthrough for a lot of couples and families. Especially like when you're married, I'm I'm a big Mm -hmm. proponent of like figuring out for you individually, Mm -hmm. like get clear on money with you, like sit with it and really think about it because the clearer you get on how it is that you feel, you value and you use money, the Mm -hmm. easier it's going to be when you have those conversations with your spouse, you're going to be able to articulate your point and your Mm -hmm. spouse is actually going to be able to hear it because now emotion has been removed from the conversation and you are clear, you're personally clear on how it is that you manage money. And that will help bring the conversation to a much better place than if you're just screaming and yelling. Cause I know that conversation really well too. <laughs> I think we've all been there, you know, just, you don't see eye to eye. And when you let the emotions take over, it's very hard to make any kind of progress or see each other's point of view. Another thing I appreciated with your story. And I think many people relate to is you did this without a huge income. Like you and I, we're fans of debt-free stories. I, I love and I'm rooting for families that open up more opportunities for themselves by becoming debt-free. At the same time, there have been uh, times where I'm frustrated and I'm, I'm rooting for them where it feels like you read the story, they paid off this crazy amount of debt in like two years. And then you read in the paragraph, <laughs> they each make like six figures Uh, or they've had family help them with buying a house. Again, nothing wrong, but if that's the only money story that's being shared or that's the one that's being shouted out, it can be discouraging for a family who has either a huge amount of debt that they're dealing with, or they don't have that large income to throw towards the debt. So first of all, thank you for including your story with that. I think that needs to be shared more. But What advice and encouragement would you give to a family that finds themselves in a more typical situation with their debt? First, any income level is okay. I feel like I have to say that because for us, we did this on just over a $47,000 a year salary. I know that for my husband, sometimes that was hard for him more than for me. I think he had more pride issues with that. That was really difficult for him because so many of his friends made so much more money. We had, in comparison to our income level, a lot Mm -hmm. of debt and we had to figure out how to pay it off or else I was going to have to go back into the corporate world. And so for us, what it came down to is, okay, what do we want more of? Did Mm -hmm. we want me to be a stay-at-home mom? Did we want me to go back to the corporate world and having to put the kids in daycare? Because at the time we had two kids under the age of two, which that would have been even back then an astronomical cost. (laughs) I cannot, God bless every single parent that has their child in daycare right now, because I can't even imagine what that cost is right now. Mm -hmm. But I know back then it was going to be crazy and it was going to take of my paycheck just to put them into daycare. At the time, my husband was working a graveyard shifts. So most of the burden of, Mm -hmm. you know, getting the kids to daycare, bringing them up from daycare, and then doing the cooking dinner and feeding them, getting them in baths, saying prayers, Mm -hmm. reading the stories and going to bed, doing it all over the next day was all going to fall mostly on my shoulders. So we had to ask ourselves, is that the life we actually want? Is that what we're Mm -hmm. building? I think that's a really 
key piece that any family mm-hmm. of any income size has to ask themselves, what are we building? Like, is this what we want? Like when we are on our deathbed and we look back on this time period, is this like, is this what we hope that we had built during our lifetime? For us, that was not what we wanted. And so we knew that we had to either find a way to make that $47,000 a year work, or we, I was going to have to go back in the corporate world and who, and we were going to have to live a life that we didn't necessarily want to, which Again, sometimes we have to make temporary sacrifices. That's not saying there's any shame if that's a situation that you find yourself in because we certainly considered that. But for us, it just became clear on our why and why we wanted to do it. From there, it made the actual sticking Mm -hmm. to our plan so much easier because we knew what we were fighting for. Because if you don't know what you're fighting for, then- it's going to go up in smoke. You're not going to, you're not going to actually try to achieve anything at that point, because once it gets hard, cause it will get hard. Yeah, gonna- <laughs> it definitely will. I mean, it's, it's not a matter of if it's one and I do love how you framed it. Cause it is included in the book. Like what kind of life do I want? What kind of life do we want? Defining that. I think it's very easy to get into the script of, Oh, I'm saving for retirement. Well, let's just take that. What does that even mean to you? Yeah. Like what kind of retirement, if my husband had a choice, it'd probably be like a cabin in the mountains, you know, (laughs) and I'm imagining traveling. So we're having these conversations and figuring out what does that even mean? Like I'm saving to buy a house. Well, what kind of house, where do you want to live? Having these deeper conversations definitely makes it easier to kind of work backwards. Okay. Well, if this is the type of house or this is the neighborhood we want to live in, let's look at the numbers. You give a lot of great advice and, and maybe kind of share a few of your favorites about finding money. Again, if you don't have a ton of income, you got to get creative with the budget and at the same time, make it sustainable, especially when you have kids. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Cause kids have a way to eat at your budget. They really do. Especially the older they get. Okay. Diapers may have cost a lot, but then once your boys start growing up, then all of a sudden they're just like eating you out of house and home. So side hustles, I call them side Mm -hmm. hustles. I know that sometimes people now don't feel so nice about those words, but anything that you're doing on the side to generate additional income, one of my favorite ways. And one of the easiest ways for any of us to jump on board that is to ransack our houses and sell off stuff that we don't need or use. Most of us have a closet full of stuff that we Mm. don't ever use. We probably don't even want to open the closet because we know there's a bunch of stuff in there and we don't want to deal with that mess. We know. And so just pull it out, Mm. sell off what you can. Don't focus on the fact, oh, this thing cost me a hundred dollars. And like, if I can't get, you know, at least, you know, $89 for this, like I can't sell it. Like, don't focus on that. The the money's already been spent. It's a sunk cost. Move on from that, sell it for what you can, and then take that money and throw it immediately to whatever your current goal is, whether it's saving your emergency fund, paying off your debt, saving for a retirement, whatever that current goal is, immediately take the money and put it there. The key point there is that action of taking the money and immediately putting it to yes. <laughs> if you just sell it and then don't move that money to that current goal, it will slip through your fingers. Trust me, it doesn't matter if you're a saver or a spender, it will disappear. I promise you. Yeah. So that is my favorite way that most people can generate additional income. The other way is mm. to think about your skill sets that you have. If you're an administrative mm. assistant, you can take that and become a VA and start doing things after your kids go to bed at night, you know, spend an hour or two doing VA work, which VA stands for virtual assistant for blog or for other companies, same with accounting, as long as your company that you work for is okay with it. But if you're, if you're an accountant or you do bookkeeping, mm-hmm. you can do that as well online on the side, do that for bloggers or for other companies that work online. Same with photography, believe it or not. If you're actually really good at taking landscape photography, you can actually really? sell 
those landscape photography huh. photos to okay. various companies because they'll use it in like calendars and stock photos oh, and okay. all sorts of things. So you can sell that for royalties, you know, and just anything like that, just get really creative with the skill sets that you have that you can use. Also, there's places like VIP kid, which you can teach online. So if you're a homeschool parent, you can actually teach online. The same with OutSchool. OutSchool is another fantastic platform that if you're an educator or you're just someone who has some sort of, you're a music person, you know mm -hmm. how to play the guitar and you want to teach other people how to play the guitar, you can actually make a course and of teaching people how to play the guitar yeah. online and earn money from that. There's a lot of different ways that you can do that. You just need to come up with what your skill sets are and the time that you have available and what you can do and maximize that time and your skill sets. Yeah, I love that. And I do agree with you. Like people have very mixed feelings about side hustles and I think it's the connotation. But then again, what kind of life do you want? You get to decide like, am I going to spend X amount of time for a short period knocking this out or Am I going to look for something a little more sustainable or pulled back because I want to have that time with my kids, especially when they're little and you don't get that time back? Yeah, I, I love that. Also, something that I really appreciated with reading your book is that message of as you are paying off the debt, you get to decide how you get to live your life with your family. You have more options and more opportunities. And, yes. you know, it's been a crazy couple of years, Jesse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And Understatement it, of the century, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, depending on where you were in your financial journey, when COVID hit, the financial fallout from that hit, you know, you were either, I've heard from some families, like new opportunities arose or when opportunities came up, they were able to take it. And on the other side was, unfortunately, if you were deep in debt, it was almost like you were obligated to make choices more geared towards the finances versus what's best for your family. I don't want that. And I know you don't want that for listeners. So if they are now starting their journey or restarting their journey, because they are focused on getting out of debt, um, can you kind of share how that's benefited you personally? What opportunities have opened up because you guys have knocked out that debt, including the mortgage, which is amazing. One of the best things that we ever did for our family and for our children is becoming debt-free because my husband actually does not make much more than that $47,000 now. I mean, he makes a little bit more than $52,000 a year right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's self-employed. He owns his own business and he could mm -hmm. theoretically pay himself more money, but then he wouldn't be able to pay his employees what he pays mm -hmm. his employees. He wouldn't be able to give them the vacations and the paternity, you know, the, these are men that work with him because he's in construction. So these yeah. are guys who are becoming fathers for the first time. And so he's able to give them paternity leave and able to do certain things for his employees as well as for his customers and his clients that he would not be able to do if he took a bigger salary. But because yeah. that we have been able to become debt-free and intentionally design our life this this way we don't have to make a whole bunch of money to have mm -hmm. an amazing life. My kids get to go on vacations that me and my husband would have never been able to go on as kids and we're able to do it debt-free. Now, yeah. granted, when we started our debt-free journey, that wasn't the case. Our vacations of choice were camping and backpacking down the river. Those are exciting. Yeah. And we still yes. do them. We still do them today because they are, they are so yeah. fun and just like you work together as a family and it's really great, you know, but my kids actually get to go to the beach now, you know, mm -hmm. they get to go to the mountains. They get to go do these things that we didn't get to do every year as a kid. And so it's blessed them. It's also blessed them with the fact that I'm not just a stay-at-home mom mm -hmm. anymore. I'm now a homeschool mom. When the public school shut down, my boys were in public school. We just, we discovered very quickly that digital learning and me did not mix very well. <laughs> it did not go over very well. But I also discovered just how far behind my boys were mm -hmm. in school. And so that 
opened up the opportunity for me to be able to homeschool my boys and then now but my daughter as well. I'm able to homeschool all three of my children here at home. I don't have to worry about, you know, the the whole math now, right? Like if this yeah. kid's been exposed to, to COVID and, you know, test positive and all this stuff, like how many days until they go back to school? I don't have to worry about that. My kids don't have to worry about that. And it's just been, it's been so nice to not have those mm-hmm. disruptions and not having to worry with, well, what's my county going to decide as far as are we doing digital learning? Are they going to school or what does this look like? Having those opportunities has been such a blessing for my family. I'm so, I'm, I'm grateful to former Pat and Jesse who made mm-hmm. these hard choices to, in the sacrifices that came with it to go on this journey and become debt-free because it truly has freed our family from just, from not being able to live the life that we desired. We're able to, when these opportunities come up, we're able to assess, okay, is this the right opportunity for our family? We don't necessarily have to jump opportunity or, you know, have to say mm-hmm. no to it because we don't have the money or the time available to do it. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And I think that's like the best definition of financial freedom. It's not the number in the bank account. It's the options that you have that's absolutely. best for your family. If you're like us, you probably have quite a number of accounts between the two of you, including your old 401ks. It can be difficult to stay on top of everything especially when your old employer switches providers, which is what happened with my husband. Here's where our sponsor Capitalize can help. Capitalize helps you find and roll over an old 401k into an IRA of your choice for free. They handle the entire process. And yes, that includes calling your old employer or the 401k provider on your behalf. If you're ready to make managing your old 401ks much easier, find out more at simplifyandenjoy.com slash capitalize. Before we wrap up, I want to share a few key takeaways I picked up from speaking with Jesse. The first is communication is key when creating your debt-free plan. Be open about both your goals and the reason for wanting to pay off this debt. And as you are creating the plan, be upfront with how comfortable you feel about the pace. It's quite common for one of you to feel a little more enthusiastic about the plan. And maybe you are a little more aggressive with the payment schedule or how much you're putting in each month. Having this communication can allow you to have a debt-free plan that has a pace you're both happy with, which will in turn make it more sustainable. Also, don't be surprised if you are making adjustments along the way based on where you are in your journey. Having regular check-ins with each other with your money dates can be a huge help on keeping the two of you on the same page. The second takeaway is be willing to discuss and explore both sides of the budget. For many families, when they start off, it's all about optimizing their expenses. And you may find enough money there to reach your goal, but also be willing to look for ways that maybe you can increase your income, even if it's temporarily. You may be in a situation similar to Jesse, where the two of you have decided that you do want one of you to stay home with the kids. Therefore, you're looking for opportunities, whether it's working from home or selling stuff that you already have, that's going to allow you to add some money to your budget so you can hit your financial goals. Finally, The last takeaway is comparison will rob you of joy. One of my goals with highlighting both Tony and Jesse's stories these past two weeks 
is that you can see that every family's journey is worthwhile and yes, it's going to be different. Each of them had circumstances that worked in their favor and then had some factors in their lives that made it harder. So whenever you read a debt-free story, please try to use it for ideas and not a comparison. Don't forget, if you want to get more resources on how to pay off your debt and simplify your finances, please join our community. It's free. Every week, I send you updates with the latest episodes, videos, and posts, all focused and geared toward you reaching your family and financial goals. Just head over to simplifyandenjoy.com slash listen. I'd love for you to join us. Special thanks to Jesse for being a part of this episode. If you want to learn more about her or grab a copy of Getting Good With Money, please go to jessiefiron.com. As always, I have links to both her book and site on the show notes, as well as some other helpful resources over at Simplify and Enjoy. Next week on the podcast, we've been talking about books on the show. One reason is that I believe they can be such an accessible and affordable resource for many families, no matter what your financial goals are. However, there are a lot of books out there. So how do you find those that light a fire and get that spark going for you to take those next steps and improve your finances? I'm going to have a former librarian walk me through some of her tips and tricks on how you can more easily find the best financial book for you. So if you don't want to miss out on that episode, make sure you're subscribed. We're on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you catch your podcasts. The theme and music today was from various artists over at Audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support. I'm grateful not only for you listening, but also sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. If you have any questions, ideas, please reach out to me. If you get the emails, all you have to do is hit reply. I read all your messages personally. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.